Hi, welcome to the Great Christian Books Podcast. This is Daniela and John, and this week we're going to be continuing our conversation about J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. Whoever does not obey the Son. Yeah, so um, in last week's episode, um, we talked about the introduction uh, in which J.I. Packer basically um, outlines the value of theology, the value of doctrine. Even though these sound like intellectual things, it's actually the knowledge of God that gives us life, that gives us direction, and that actually impacts the way that we live our lives as Christians. Um, And so... I think that we were going to originally do this in three parts, yeah. but I think we're just going to do two parts um, because when you and I were talking about this earlier, I think we kind of realized that we basically felt like we should talk about a specific subset of chapters, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. So uh, this book in the second chunk that we're going to talk about today in the third part, uh, the second chunk is all about the attributes of God mm-hmm. and I, I was surprised when we both were interested in the same things, which are, like, not the most popular topics. We're no. talking about um, the wrath of God. We're talking mm-hmm. about God as a judge. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the severity of God. So it, they're not exactly like your mm-hmm. seeker-friendly sermon series. Right, right. <laughs> um, so I think we're both a little bit surprised, but we were on the same page, and I think there's a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, because I felt really impacted um, by these chapters. And yeah, I think it's because, you know, we just don't have as many opportunities to hear teaching, um, about these topics. I mean, these topics are very hard to teach on. And I feel like that's why J.I. Packer is such a great resource to the body of Christ, because he explains these, these things in a way that is clear and biblical and that also makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and that's also edifying. Um, so I think for that reason alone, I think these topics has really impacted me. And I just think it's also something that the Lord has been highlighting to, you know, both of us, right? With mm-hmm. even Leonard Ravenhill, yeah. you know, when he was um, writing at length about the reality of hell, uh, that's one of the ideas that really stuck yeah. out to us. And, you know, maybe the Lord is doing something in our hearts uh, with regard to these specific topics. Yeah. And that's not to say some of the other chapters are great. There's oh, like yeah. the majesty of God, you know, the love of God, the grace of God. But again, I, I feel like maybe just because we go to a charismatic church or, or we listen more to kind of like mm-hmm. preachers from that background, I think I do feel like I hear a lot about the love of God and the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I haven't recently heard a, a message on, you know, God's impending judgment or, mm-hmm. or the wrath mm-hmm. of God. So sure. these were things that really just stuck out to me in any way. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, um, we'll start with the chapter entitled God the Judge. And uh, one of the things that I really like that J.I. Packer does um, is that he demonstrates that these topics that we would think that are unpopular are actually very much rooted in Scripture. And not only that, they're prevalent themes in Scripture. So this is what he says about um, God's judgment. He says, The entire New Testament is overshadowed by the certainty of a coming day of universal judgment. 
Yeah. And he's responding there to, like, the person who would say, like, oh, the Old Testament's the one that talks about judgment, but not the New Testament. But it's like, no, actually, the New Testament really talks about... And, you know, it's funny, like, you kind of pick and choose in your mind, like, the different parables of Jesus or the teachings of Jesus that you like. But if you actually think about the Gospels, they are filled with... Uh, teachings about judgment, you know, separating the wheat from the chaff or throwing the branches into the fire and separating the fish and, you know, that the separating the sheep and the goats. I mean, right there, I just, off the top of my head, I think I listed like four or five teachings of Jesus with regard to judgment. That's not even including the epistles. Yeah. I mean, I was just so personally convicted because I think for me, I kind of realized this is a big blind spot that I have in the Bible. Like here, J.F. Right. Hector is saying this is a very prevalent theme. And it, right. it's not something I've ever done like a Bible study. You know, my word of the year is not like wrath. You know, it's, <laughs> it's definitely. Yeah, yeah you Instagram. You <laughs> yeah, know? Exactly. It's not like the kind of stuff that I'm going to like post on Instagram. But right. I think mm-hmm. what really struck me is just actually this is all over the Bible, and it is so important because we can't appreciate the love or the grace of God if we don't understand that He is a judge, mm-hmm. that there is wrath, and that, that that He's that He's shown us grace even though we deserve those things, and that it's by His love, you know. So I I, I think for me, I just realized, wow, like I've I've really not done justice to this topic at all in my personal like study of the word and even in light of this book i mean he talks about like not making uh images of god and and how oftentimes people will say well i can't imagine god like that and i realized yeah i Mm. definitely say things like that or at least think things like that like i can't imagine god as like a cruel judge or like i can't imagine god i mean judging us on judgment day which sounds kind of weird but i i really don't think i've come to terms with that Reality. No, and that makes sense. Like we, we just have, uh, I think we just have an easier time in Western culture imagining the love of God and yeah. what that looks like, and imagining the mercy of God. Um, but it's it, it's kind of a spiritual discipline to meditate on those attributes of God that are a little bit harder to grapple with, right? And and it's really important that we learn to grapple with uh, and and come to a place where we can imagine God as judge yeah. and, and and the wrath of God. Yeah. And even, you know, this past week or two, as I've been reading this book, I think because I've I've come to terms with this, I feel like I have a deeper fellowship and knowledge of God, you know, even kind of like in a meta way, we're talking about this with this book. But I feel like because I've read this book and I've grown in this knowledge, I now have a deeper appreciation for God and a, mm. d- and a deeper trust for him as my father. I know, mm. you know, I know, yeah, this is really hard stuff, but you can trust me. You can trust mm. me that, you know. That's crazy. If you don't get this, you don't get the full story. And and he talks about this somewhere else. Like, if there is no Christ, no crucifixion, it's actually no longer Christianity. It's some mm. other thing that you've created for yourself. So, mm. so it's been tough, but I think it's been really good. And I'm excited to talk about this. And I hope people can also start thinking about some of these things that are pretty, pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really crazy that you mention it that way, because you would never expect that by studying the judgment of God and the wrath of God that you would grow in trust. And almost it sounds like intimacy. Yeah. But it's it's almost like it's I think what it is, is that because if you try to hide from these things 
or you're kind of mm-hmm. embarrassed about these attributes of God, that does hinder mm-hmm. intimacy and trust because there's a part of God that you're just like kind of shy about. Yeah. Or you kind of cower away from. But I feel like what's been happening, um, you know, this past week in reading these chapters is that God is opening up his heart through this book about these parts of his character, about these attributes of his, um, of his personality that are just as significant and just as good as the other attributes and parts of who God is. It's like, you know, one thing with, that I love about this podcast is that I feel like I've gotten to know you much better, even though, you know, we've been married for five years. Yeah. There's always like another funny story that you bring up or some other thing that I kind of get to know about you or some other part of your personality. And I feel like in the same way, um, ironically, I've learned so much more about God's heart through studying these difficult concepts. Hmm. Yeah, I want to I wanna talk more about this for sure. Um, if you go to page 143, there's mm-hmm. one quote there that I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, just It just reminded me of what you were just saying, which is, mm-hmm. why then uh, do we fight shy of the thought of God as a judge? Why do we feel the thought to be unworthy of him? Mm-hmm. The truth is that part of God's moral perfection oh is his perfection in judgment. Mm-hmm. Would a God who did not care about the difference between right and wrong be a good and admirable being? Mm-hmm. Would a God who put no distinction between the beasts of history, the Hitlers and Stalins, if we dare use names, and his own saints be morally praiseworthy and perfect? And I think mm-hmm. for me, it's just that, yeah, that idea that... Mm-hmm. If God is not a God who cares about injustice or about right and wrong, mm-hmm. um, then that's like one less thing to admire about him and to praise about him. Mm-hmm. And and actually, this is a point that J.R. Packer continues to make, that the judgment of God is actually, just like all the other attributes of God, the judgment of God is not primarily about human beings, hmm. right? Like he judges human beings. He also judges angels, yeah. right? But it's not like we can't take this man-centered approach. It's like, oh, the judgment of God is just meant to scare us, right? No, it's actually that the judgment of God is revealing an essential part of who he is. Hmm. And what it's doing, according to J.R. Packer, which, I mean, it's biblical, according to the Bible, really, is that that God, the judgment of God is the primary means by which God reveals uh, his moral righteousness, Hmm. right? And um, again, if you don't, if you shy away from the judgment of God, the wrath of God, then you're not going to experience the fullness of God's moral perfection. Yeah. That is, that is mind blowing. Yeah. You know, so this book, um, again, highly recommend that anyone who's listening uh, definitely read this. Um, it is definitely harder to get through than Leonard Ravenhill. <laughs> Leonard Ravenhill is like super exciting. Like every single page is just a blast of quotes. Uh, this is a different approach. It's a very yeah. patient approach. Um, he builds these doctrines from the bottom up, from the Bible, um, with tons of scripture references, and he goes in a logical fashion. Um, and, and, and it's certainly when we're reading it, it's not as exciting or flashy as some other books. But you you chew on this, it feels like you're chewing on meat. And if mm-hmm. I feel full after eating this, mm-hmm. you know, and... Um, I think that's just like one example out of the entire book of how that works. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on this chapter? Because I have one quote, but it's at the very end. Yeah, go for it. Sure. Yeah. So um, 
at, at the very end, he just says that if, if we don't call on God to be our present savior, we're going to encounter him later as judge. Mm. And I just love that. And he ta- and we'll talk more about this with the wrath of God, but that there's an element of choice mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, yes, this might seem hard, but you have this choice. And, and if you make this choice and you get to know God now as mm-hmm. a savior, and we'll talk about how cool it is that he provides a savior for mm-hmm. us later. But uh, 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 unless you do this, you will have to come to terms with this later. And mm-hmm. it says here, as judge, he is the law. But as savior, he is the gospel. Mm-hmm. Run from him now and you will meet him as judge then and without hope. Seek him now and you will find him. And you will then discover that you are looking forward to that future meeting with joy, knowing that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just love that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was um, listening to some songs earlier today. Um, and it, one of them was, um, I think it's called Once Again, right? Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice, you became nothing, poured out to death. Um, and... I was just, you know, kind of listening to those songs and singing those songs and I was holding Joshua and I just felt such a gratitude that God provided a way, a rescue from mm. his judgment. Mm. And I had this weird thought like it's, and it's because hopefully in this episode we'll have enough time to land the planes so we're not just talking about the wrath of God, yeah. but we also get to um, salvation and we also get to adoption. But I just had such a gratitude from reading those chapters like, yes, the wrath of God is so fearful and it's like the storm of the wrath of God, but God is actually the one that also shields us within that storm. That's a great thought. And I don't know, I was just holding Joshua and I was hugging Joshua's him. Joshua's our and, son, by the way. Yes, yes. He's not some uh, old man. <laughs> <laughs> or a pet or something. No, no. It's our son. <laughs> And, um, and I was just holding him tight and I just felt the, again, you can focus on why is God a judge? Why is, but, but, or you could focus your mind on, wow, God has provided this means of rescue. Yeah. And that is something that we will be eternally grateful for and eternally in awe about. Um, and so, yeah. And I, I so I, I see, you know, very similar themes in, um, in the chapter about the wrath of God. Um, yeah. So one of, one of the, some of the stuff that Jerry Packer talks about is, um, to quote him, one cannot imagine that talk of divine judgment was ever very popular, yet the biblical writers engage in it constantly. And then on the next page, he says, clearly the theme of God's wrath is one about which the biblical writers feel no inhibitions about whatsoever. Why then should we? Why, when the Bible is vocal about it, should we feel obliged to be silent? Yeah. And it's the same sort of idea with with the judgment of God, but it it helped me to think that like back then, judgment and wrath weren't popular either. But the Mm -hmm. biblical writers are still bold in their witness and very open in talking about these things. And so, again, I'm really grateful that we're able to talk about this uh, in our conversation right now and be open about these attributes of God. Yeah. And I mean, he also, he quotes A.W. Pink, but but A.W. Pink says that there are more references in scripture to the anger, fury, and wrath of God than there are to his love and tenderness. So I think if we 
you know, skip this topic, we're actually missing out on this huge, huge portion of who yeah. God is, huge portion of scripture. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, um, let me read this um, other um, A.W. Pink quote. <laughs> Do you have this one highlighted at the at the end, page 156? This one is crazy. But I, actually, I, I do need to um, look more into A.W. Pink. We actually um, had a friend who lived at our house and he was like this all-out Calvinist. It was great. He was so intense. Lots of fun conversations. Yep. Um, <laughs> and um, anyway, A.W. Pink was one of his favorite authors. And from what I understand, he is extremely intense. Extremely intense. But you'll get a sense. Maybe we should read one of his books. Um, and uh, But here's what he says. The wrath of God is a perfection of the divine character on which we need to meditate frequently. First, that our hearts may be duly impressed by God's detestation of sin. We are ever prone to regard sin light, lightly, but the more we study and ponder God's abhorrence of sin and his frightful vengeance upon it, the more likely we are to realize its heinousness. Second, to beget a true fear in our souls for God. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. That's from Hebrews 12, 28. And then third, to draw out our soul in fervent praise for having delivered us from the wrath hmm. to come. And um, again, I just, I'm so grateful, even for what you said before, what, it's just ringing in my heart what you said that, Meditating on these things has actually increased your trust of God and your relationship with God. It's actually the wrath of God, the, the judgment of God. These are actually moral perfections that are mm. inherent to who God is. So we can sing on a Sunday about how um, beautiful God is, how majestic he is, how loving he is, how kind he is. The judgment and the wrath of God are part of his moral perfection. And... I don't know if I'm exaggerating right now, but I feel like this is the first time in my life that I'm actually beginning to appreciate these attributes of God. Yeah. And it's starting to it's starting to create worship in me. Mm. Not that I like like these things in the way that I like God's mercy, because even in the scripture it says um, God desires mercy and not sacrifice. And clearly the emphasis on scripture is about how God is patient and kind and slow to anger. So I'm not like happy about these things, but I feel more worshipful uh, when I think about the wrath and the judgment of God. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He says a few sentences before that. If we, and this is J. Packer, not A.W. Pink. Mm -hmm. um, if we would know God, it is vital that we face the truth concerning his wrath, however unfashionable it may be. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, we shall not understand the gospel of salvation right. from wrath. Right. Nor the propitiatory achievement of the cross, nor the wonder of the redeeming love of God. Mm -hmm. So it's like, unless we get this, we, we don't get the full story. We can't appreciate mm -hmm. God's love if we don't understand, or God as a deliverer, if we don't understand the fullness of what he's delivering us from. Right. So odd to find us being so worshipful in such in such yeah. an intense chapter but we were so both so moved and we didn't talk right. about this until no today. i don't think so I, I mean i mean we knew that we wanted to talk about these chapters but we had no idea that we would feel so worshipful talking about these things maybe and... wrath should be our word of the year <laughs> <laughs> no i you know yeah yeah no i don't think so <laughs>
Um, now, <clears throat> you were really excited about uh, another related chapter, which was um, yeah. goodness and severity. Uh, and, um, you know, the idea that um, we ought to meditate on both the goodness and the kindness and the severity of God. Yeah. Um, but you leave the discussion here because I think you were particularly excited about this. I mean... Now that we talked, I feel like as we're talking, obviously, I'm processing some of these things more right, fully. Right, right, right. Sure. So I, I think, you know, maybe I missed it a little in the, fir- in the, in the first two chapters. And mm-hmm. then with the goodness and the severity, I was like, oh, my gosh. But, mm-hmm. but now I, I, coming back to it, I feel even more excited. Mm-hmm. But he bases this, uh, this chapter, goodness and severity. I'd never really thought about these words or even like the relationship together, which mm-hmm. I think is key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's talking about Romans eleven twenty two. Right. Where Paul says, behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, normally you would think like goodness, like those seem like opposite thoughts. Right, right. There's that and Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I think that like defines our Christian faith, you know. Mm -hmm, There's mm -hmm. this severity that we could be afraid from and we should be afraid of it if we are apart from God. Mm -hmm. But when we are with God, you know, in a way, it also reflects his goodness to us. And I mean, I'd never thought about this. I'm sure you've thought about this kind of stuff more, but he, he why, has... Why do you say that? Because you're more uh, severe than I am. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> but, sure. Uh, I, I think the part about Santa Claus and Giant Despair, where he kind of... Uh, did, did you did that part stick out to you at all? The Santa Claus uh, theology? Yeah. About how, like, hey, everything's good and... You know, sins create no problem and that sort of thing. Yeah, I never thought about this, but he kind of said that whenever we only focus on God as this, like, celestial Santa Claus that only Mm -hmm. gives out good things or only does good things, Mm -hmm. we actually, that's how we've created some of the problems. Like, he talks about how the conversation of the problem with evil is actually something that's new because of uh, more, like, liberal Christian uh, thought mm-hmm. that has presented God as like this just super only kind, only ever good Santa Claus just giving us good gifts. Um, and to me, that was just so profound. I just realized, yeah, I mean, if we remove mm-hmm. uh, the severity, the goodness almost, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's not as meaningful. And then also, how do you make sense right. of suffering in the world right. if you don't have this grid for it? And even Santa Claus gives you coal, right? It's not all good gifts, right? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if you think of like God as a Santa Claus figure that only gives out good gifts to everybody, that's not really, uh, that has no explanatory power Hmm. for the actual reality of suffering. And I think the reason why this kind of Santa Claus theology has arisen out of the West is because we're so sheltered. Um, I remember like... Um, reading somewhere about how like Holocaust survivors and I mean people that have gone through tremendous suffering have a Mm. much easier time understanding the justice and the wrath and the severity of God because for those people that actually experience bodily suffering and persecution and, and the horrors of war it's like if God doesn't bring retribution to this like this this world makes no sense there's then there's no God and there's no right and no wrong And, you know, it's just basically we're just animals and we're just, you know, killing each other savagely, right? But you need a very deep understanding of the justice of God in order to make sense of evil in the world and suffering in the world. Um, So that's a really good um, point that you bring up. And then you said something about the the giant despair. Giant despair? Uh, Oh, that's just the title of the section. Maybe it just causes giant despair when we don't have that understanding. Because I, I think he's, I think he's referring to, yeah, yeah, he's definitely referring to um, uh, 
the Pilgrim's Progress. Oh. Oh, yep, I see it. 161. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just an illustration that um, if you, I guess, being clever with the chapter title here, if you if you just hold on to the Santa Claus theology, then it's going to actually re lead you to Doubting Castle and Giant Despair, which, um, have you ever read the Pilgrim's Progress before? Mm, no, I've, this is like another book that I've wanted to read mm -hmm. and I've tried to read. Mm -hmm. I think recently I just gave up and I, I have the children's version of it. So yeah. I'm going to try that. Oh, you haven't? Yeah. So, okay. So my mom, somehow I, I remember from when I was really little um, that uh, my parents had this Korean version of the Pilgrim's Progress, okay. but it was like a graphic novel. So I remember like seeing pictures in that and like uh, being okay. really like taken, drawn into that. And then my mom got me a copy when I was very little of the children's version. So it's called Little Pilgrim's Progress. Interesting. And you should read it. The Little Pilgrim's Progress, it's it's really fun. You won't be able to put it down. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm missing out on like Christian culture by yeah, not sure. reading this. Yeah, and then so um, I remember I was in college. I actually ordered a Pilgrim's Progress because I wanted to read it. But I thought it was a little Pilgrim's Progress. So when I got it, and it was like, you know, like 400 pages. <laughs> yeah. And I started reading it. I was like, this is so hard to understand. But, you know, I was in college then. Hopefully my mind is more, like, adept. <laughs> so now I can actually understand it. But, um, yeah, I, I think the the Doubting Castle and Giant Despair uh, illustrations went totally over my head here. The, yeah. The, the yeah, yeah. Um, references, I should say. Um but yeah, anything else in this kind of goodness and severity um, chapter? Um, yeah, I mean, we talk about God's goodness for a little bit. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> um, I just love that that God is so generous to us that he mm -hmm. gives us so many good gifts. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, and he talks about like God's general goodness to everyone and then his specific goodness, his redemptive goodness to us and we're getting to the other stuff but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um what he says here it just says that god gives us everything well he's talking specifically about um a psalm here mm -hmm. psalm 145 the lord is good to all he has compassion on all he has made mm -hmm. um and i just love that it says the psalmist's point is that god controls all that happens in this world every meal every pleasure every possession every bit of sun every night's sleep every moment of health and safety mm -hmm. everything else that sustains and enriches life is a divine gift and how abundant these gifts are mm -hmm. um and then he quotes uh, a children's song count your blessings name them one by one and then it says and it will surprise you what the lord has done mm. uh, so i mean that just that's just mm -hmm. so tender that just made my heart so tender the idea that god you know every good thing that we mm -hmm. ever experience is ultimately you know mm -hmm. god's goodness but then beyond that he says but the mercies of god on the natural level Mm -hmm. however abundant are overshadowed by the greater mercies of spiritual redemption mm -hmm. so just the idea that god is so good mm -hmm. to us that he gives us every pleasure that we ever experience on earth but then beyond that that there's also even greater mercy mm -hmm. um, that we get to experience him for eternity so i just i don't know that just really touched my heart whoever does not obey the sun shall not see life but the wrath of God remains on him the wrath
wrath of God remains on him. The wrath of God remains on him. Yeah, and I think like the whole point here is we need to meditate on both the goodness and the severity of God. And sometimes in the culture, we just tend to complain about, oh, why is God wrathful? Why is God a judge? And we, it's unfair because he's so good. Uh, and, and just like it says, um, you know, in the book of Acts, like God lets it rain on both the good and the wicked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, God is, provides everything that we could possibly appreciate, every form of beauty. And we just tend to complain about the bad, you know, and we complain about these things with so little understanding and so little appreciation. Um, and so I really love uh, kind of the practical applications here uh, in this chapter yeah. about our kind of response um, that he kind of lists on 165. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number one, appreciate the goodness of God. Count your blessings. Uh, mm -hmm. Learn not to take anything for granted. Learn, right. learn to thank God for them. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And then he says this, just kind of like strong, but I love it. Do not slight the Bible or the gospel of Jesus Christ by an attitude of casualness towards either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I just love that. So one, appreciate the goodness of God. Two, appreciate the patience of God. And then three, appreciate the discipline of God. So I love mm -hmm, that it's... Mm -hmm. Appreciate the goodness and the discipline. Right. And he, he ends this with, I think, a really great reminder for all of us that, um, you know, even though we're believers, we're still going to experience difficult things. Mm -hmm. But this kindly discipline in which God's severity touches us for a moment in the mm -hmm. context of his goodness is meant to keep us from having to bear the full brunt of that severity apart from that context. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just a reminder that even when it's not, that we should take both the good stuff you know, with thankful hearts, but also the bad stuff, because mm -hmm. it's also his kindness, you know, that we're experiencing that bit of discipline. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, here's a little bit of severity, um, but you don't have to experience more right. of this if you, if you properly right. deal with this. And respond, right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that this is a great segue, as you were saying, with the goodness of God um, to our forgiveness in God and also to our adoption uh, in him. Yeah. And actually, I think chapter 19 in this book, it's entitled Sons of God. I think this is my favorite chapter. Now, I will say um, that we, we have to, we have to talk about the chapter about God's jealousy, because that is an, there, that J.C. Ryle quote is, uh, we'll just read it at the end as like an appendix, kind of. But I think in terms of the flow of what we're talking about, I think it makes sense now um, to talk about the forgiveness that we have. Yeah. And, um, and we've kind of been alluding to this, this whole chapter. But... Right, right. Well, um, he talks about propitiation uh, in, in chapter 18. So just to briefly go over why this is so important. Um, you know, basically, we've been talking about the wrath and, and, and the judgment of God. Mm -hmm. But like, what's the solution? Right. Yeah. And uh, this is definitely in chapter 18, one of the clearest uh, expositions of propitiation that I've ever read. Yeah. Um, and it really clarified for me that, okay, I mean, it's very simple sounding, but like Jesus was a sacrifice to appease the wrath of God. But as I mentioned earlier, what really struck out, stuck out to me was that God is actually the one that provides the propitiation yes. to yes. rescue us from his own yes. wrath. Yes. 
Yes. So one thing that he says that I love is that he says like in other religions, it's men bringing up these sacrifices and doing the propitiation for mm-hmm. like themselves. Right. But in Christianity, it is God who is himself providing the propitiation. That's just, yeah, my mind was blown. I was just like, wow, God is so good, you right. know, that he provides this for mm-hmm. us. So I love, yeah, I love that part. And then another thing that was just totally like I saw it in a new light in terms of propitiation was just the idea that um, so Jesus on the cross, I never kind of understood why Jesus said like, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, what? Like, you know, God is, why, why would God leave him? Or what mm-hmm. does that mean? But I think it just shed new light on what Jesus did on the cross. You know, a mm-hmm. man who was never scared of death, he talked about death his whole ministry. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden seems to be like, you know, he, he's praying in, in Gethsemane and there's definitely a sense of like, you know, if you can take this cup from me, would you do it? Mm-hmm. And then on the cross, my father, why have you forsaken me? And I don't think I ever understood that fully, but what I what I understood is just that, you know, Jesus was not just, he wasn't just like going to forgive our sins, but he was right. also taking on the, the wrath full of wrath of God. Yeah. So that made so much more sense to me in light of mm-hmm. of this chapter. But what's even more amazing, and this is the point that J.I. Packer makes, not only did Jesus take on the wrath of God, and not only was he the sacrifice for our sins, but he also made us brothers and sisters. Yes, that's, yes, good connection there. (laughs) (laughs) It's astounding, really. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's. Um, almost as astounding as what we talked about last episode, that God became a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, God forgave us of our sin. But beyond that, uh, the, the climax of this all is that um, he calls us his children. And so actually, I, I love um, kind of what um, J.I. Packer says in this chapter that, you know, a lot of... Um, from his camp, you know, kind of the reformed kind of Calvinist camp, um, a lot of people think that justification is kind Mm -hmm. of the most important gift. Mm -hmm. And like, in a way it is, he says that it lays the foundation. Yeah. But that's only the foundation, right? Because, um, you know, he says, he says this, our first point about adoption is that it is the highest privilege that the gospel offers, higher than even justification, right? And he talks about how justification is, you know, the fundamental blessing because mm-hmm. it allows, it, it, it fulfills our primary spiritual need, but adoption is, is what brings us into the family of God. Adoption is bring us, what's what brings us into the love of God and where we're able to view God as father. And that is going from basically just like a legal right, like, oh, now, you know, when God judges me, I'm legally, I can mm-hmm. go scot-free. It goes from there to now, no, he actually brings me as a prodigal son running home. And he says, no, 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 no. You're not coming as a servant into my house. You're coming as a son. Yeah. I mean, that just, that blew my mind. And I, I have two sticky notes here, so I have to read it. Okay. Although I'm going to shorten it a lot. But what I love here is just like, like you were saying, it's it's that feeling of a family idea, God mm-hmm. being a father. Um, and it says, you know, closeness, affection, and generosity are at the heart of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And then this is a quote. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's my second favorite quote in this whole book. To be right with God the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is a greater. I think that's such a great <sighs> meditation to land upon because we can meditate on kind of the the justice and the wrath of God and then be like, oh, thank you, God. Like I have this legal right before you. Mm-hmm. But the gospel at its heart is not a legal transaction. Mm-hmm. And that's the point that J.R. Parker, like the legal transaction brings us to a place where we can have a relationship with God. But the ultimate goal is that intimacy, that sonship, that daughtership, where we have that affectionate, close, intimate relationship with God. And that's the highest call um, for the believer. Hmm. And so, you know, last um, episode, we kind of teased... Uh, the idea that, you know, in this episode, we're going to see how doctrine actually impacts our lives. So far in this episode, we've talked about the wrath of God and the judgment of God. And it's like, I don't know how how much practical application there is, but those things are meant to lead us to an appreciation for now our adoption. And once we realize that we're adopted, there is a treasure trove of ways that that actually impacts and brings fruit into yes. our lives. So um, he's, he basically says um, that adoption is the basis of Christian conduct. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the Beatitudes, it's all about how are uh, mm. we as sons and daughters supposed to relate to God the Father, yeah. right? You know, like I can think of like when you pray, um, pray in secret, um, where the Father who sees you in secret will reward you, right? All of those um, all of those uh, commandments in the Sermon on the Mount, all those teachings on the Sermon on the Mount have to do with our relationship with um, God as Father. Yeah. He also talks about how it impacts our prayer life because mm-hmm. we're, we're praying uh, as children to a good Father who, right. who we can trust that wants to give us a good gift. Um, So I just love that. I feel like that's been a theme in all of these books, prayer. So, Mm -hmm. you know, our father who art in heaven, right? Um, It also impacts our life of faith, right? The the way that we have faith, as Jesus says, right? We we actually talked about this um, verse, these verses um, in Matthew 6 in our Richard Foster episode. But Right? He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first his or your Father's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's um, whether it's prayer, whether it's holiness, whether it's faith, mm-hmm. all of these actually are expressed in our relationship as sons and daughters uh, of God uh, the Father. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts that you want to share about adoption? Well, I um, I just like this idea. This is uh, a little bit random, but I like this idea of... Because he goes... In, again, I highly urge you all, find this book from the library. You know, do whatever you need to do. Chapter 19, it could have been a, just a book in and of itself. Hmm. So he goes through so many aspects of sonship. It's the clearest exposition, just as I said, a propitiation, but... We go to a church where we talk about, you know, God as father and us as children. We sing songs about this all the time. You know, uh, uh, no longer slaves to fear. I am a child of God. We'll sing that. 
But this is such a clear teaching on what it means to be a son or daughter of God. Um, but th this one aspect of it I really like is that um, that when we are when we truly understand that we are adopted by God, that results in what the Puritans used to call gospel holiness. Mm -hmm. And I love that the Puritans thought like this because you think of the Puritans as so boring and dry, but they actually distinguished between like, you know, kind of like dutiful holiness, which is just mm -hmm. like doing the disciplines, which is good. But gospel holiness is that holiness that arises spontaneously with joy because you want to please God. And even that phrase gospel holiness is going to stick with me as I think about how I relate to God and walk out in, in faith on a daily basis. Yeah. He also talks a little bit, well, he talks about God's love, which is like obviously good, but um, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, but I love what he, what he says on page 216, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, what adoption as sons means is that God is receiving and loving us as fully as Jesus is loved. And, and I love that he says it's like a fairy story where the reigning monarch adopts, you know, uh, strays and he makes them princes. But actually, it's not like a fairy tale. This is like the reality mm. that God takes us and he adopts us and he brings us in. And it says, but praise God, it is not a fairy story. It is a hard and solid fact. Founded on the bedrock of free and sovereign grace. Mm -hmm. This and nothing less than this is what adoption means. And then no wonder John in the Bible cries, behold what manner of love. And I just, I mean, that, that just. That we should be called children of yeah, God. That's yeah, that's just so amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love that. It's like a fairy story, but wait, it's not. It's a fact. Yeah. And it's something that we get to do and live out daily. Amazing. So I think, um, despite what I said about the chapter of uh, about God's jealousy, I think this is a good closing point. But here's my compromise. We have on our docket, um, we, we do want to talk about J.C. Ryle's book, Holiness. Ooh. It's, a, it's a great book. I supremely enjoyed it. Um, I, I only read a third of it so far, but we definitely have to do an episode in the future. When we get there, we should refer back to this chapter on the jealousy of God, and we should read that J.C. Ryle quote. Oh, It's perfect. like the most intense quote ever, but we're going to kind of leave this as a cliffhanger. I don't know when the J.C. Ryle episode will happen, but I guess when it happens, we will revisit J.I. Packer and revisit his um, little quote of uh, J.C. Ryle on um, the jealousy of God and our response to be zealous for God. That chapter is so good. I'm so I know. bummed. I know, me too. But it just, I think, I think just given what we have, it doesn't really fit into what we've been yeah. talking about, right? Maybe we can do a single episode or something later. We'll see what happens, yes, but yes, it's yes. definitely a good one. Yeah. Um, so as we're closing it out here, I just want to kind of remind us a little bit of what we talked about. And I mm -hmm. think one thing that has been clear is just that as we grow in our knowledge of God, there is this push to, to, to really know him fully, to not pick and choose what parts of him we, you know, agree mm -hmm, with. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I think hopefully you're encouraged to, to go back and read, read about the goodness of God, but also about his wrath and his severity. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, even now, just reading like Psalms, I kind of see 
you know, like you have rescued me. And then it's like from this wrath, mm-hmm. it's something that before I think I was totally just not even seeing this theme. Right. So I hope that it's encouraging to you all and that you will go um, and delve into these topics deeper. But here's a couple of things that Jay Packer leaves us with. So I'll read them to us um, mm-hmm. so that we can hopefully think about this. Yeah. So he concludes by just saying that this revelation of being sons of God is the great secret of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, uh, the, the the message we've studied in this chapter is surely this. Do I as a Christian understand myself? Do I know my own real identity, my own real destiny? I am a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My savior is my brother. Every Christian is my brother too. And he encourages us to say this to ourselves each and every day. And I think if you read this book, you should definitely find this quote and do this. But even if you don't, just to remind uh, yourself daily of who you are in God. Um, and like John and I were sharing earlier, like that, that we don't just stop at like Jesus paid my sins and I am forgiven. But also beyond that, that we don't have to just stop at propitiation, but that we can move on to adoption. Mm-hmm. Now that I am a son, um, how does this impact my life? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I hope that we think about what does it mean to be adopted into the family of God? And then he he has these questions at the very end. He says, do I understand my adoption? Do I value it? Do I daily remind myself of my privilege as a child of God? Mm-hmm. Do I daily dwell on the love of God for me? Do I look forward daily to that great family occasion when the children of God will finally gather in heaven before the throne of God, their father and of the lamb, their brother and their Lord? Have I felt the thrill of this hope? Mm -hmm. And that one just, you know, like, I don't know if I daily think about this Mm -hmm. reality. Am I looking forward to this family occasion, this, Mm -hmm. you know, reunification? And Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes, you know, I'm just so caught up on the day-to-day stuff. Mm -hmm. So just... I hope that you're inspired to think about that, what it means to be a child, what it means to be part of the family of God, um, and that hopefully your heart is stirred mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. think about these things more deeply. Um, yeah, so I hope you think about this, and if you have any thoughts, feel free to reach out to us, and we will get back to you. Yeah, and I uh, hope you can uh, tune in next episode. We are moving on to a different book. It's a very different book. Yes. We tried to hit a a real diversity of books um, in terms of theological outlook. And uh, so we are going to be hitting 1,000 Gifts by Anne Voskamp. I read the first couple of pages and I was blown away. It is uh, totally different. It's narrative style from what I've read so far. Um, But it's so beautiful and so moving. And I just had goosebumps just reading those first couple of pages. And it's so different from Richard Foster. It's so different from Leonard (laughs) Ravenhill. It's so different from Jay Packer. Um, But we hope that you will join us for the ride and as we explore all the different books out there and the way that God has um, chosen to speak to the church through all of these um, various parts of the body of Christ. So yeah, um, hope you'll tune in next time. In the sun as usual, the music for today's episode is used by permission from theversesproject.com. Today's song is John 3, verse 36, and it's performed by Samuel Lane. But once again, thanks for tuning in today, and be blessed. Be blessed.